Oh, my God. 
five minutes after 6 a.m. Good morning, everybody. My name is Nachum Siegel. Welcome to a Wednesday. This is your Jewish Moments in the Morning radio program.
the Holy of Holiest. One of the Chassidim came to him and says, Rebbe, I have to go to Lublin. I need a passport. I hate to go to the police because we're Jew. It's so good if the police doesn't even know his name. The Holy Bodhichev says, no problem. Walked into his room, came out with a blank piece of paper and he says to him, here's your passport. But now, my beautiful friends, you got to be a big chosse to come to the border, pull out a blank piece of paper. When the officer saw that the blank piece of paper began saluting him, and he says, I never met a great person like you. Let me have the privilege of giving you a carriage with eight horses to facilitate you going to Lublin. Now, this poor Yidle had never seen a carriage in his whole life. Anyway... He was treated like the Tsar of Russia. He came back. He lived forever. I told the story. I heard the story in Vienna. The Yid says to me, you know, I'm the only one who knows the story. Let me give it over to you. 1935. My uncle, Munkat had a long beard in Paris. He had to go to Germany. He had a passport. But that kind of passport... Does a guarantee is coming back? He walked into the Mongol Rebbe and he says, Rebbe, give me a Mongol passport. The Mongol says to him, What makes you think I can give you such a passport? He says, Rebbe, I know, I'm begging you, I'm crying before you. I have a wife and seven children, please. Save my life, Rebbe. The Mongol Rebbe went to his room came out three hours later. And you know, friends, to give a passport from the ditch to Dublin, it's one thing. 1935, Munkach to Germany. The Rebbe came out. His eyes, his eyes they were his tears. They gave him a blank piece of paper paper was soaking wet. Tears of two thousand years exile. 
My uncle came to the border. The Nazi says, "Where's your passport?" My uncle pulled out a blank piece of paper. The Nazi began saluting him. He says, "I don't think Germany ever had the honor of a great person like you visiting us. Let me have the privilege of giving you a letter to the police all over Germany to protect you." My uncle was a week in Germany. The Nazis drove him around all over, paid for his hotel, came back. You know, my beautiful friends. The monkey Sherebe told him, "Swear to me, as long as I live, you will never tell anybody about the passport." My uncle came back. He didn't tell anybody. The Holy Munkacha passed away in 1936. And before he passed away, he says, "I see a darkness coming upon the world. I don't want to be there." 1939, a few days before the Second World War, my uncle got so sick, and he knew his hours are numbered. He called his family. I was seven years old. I was also called, and this is what he says. I want you to know, I have a Munkacha passport. Told her the whole story, and this is what he said. This is my last will. When you bury me, stole it all. When you bury me. Put the Mungacha passport in my hand. Put the holiest rebbe, his passport in my hand. Because if the rebbe's passport opens gates in this world, who knows how many gates it will open for me in the world to come. Beautiful friends, you think there are only borders between nations? There are borders between us and God. Borders between one human being and the other. So many borders between husband and wife, between parents and children. You know why there is no peace in the world? Because the world needs a Munkacha passport. You to know the Torah is so holy. We celebrate Shavuos, we celebrate Yom Kippur. But you know what I need? I need a passport. Sansa must Torah. Take out the Torah. I'm not reading it. It's just blank. And Simus Torah, God gives me the Munkacha passport. Have you ever danced the Mustol? Have you ever noticed people who dance? There's no borders between them. No borders between them and their children. No borders between rich and poor. You know when people get married, the beginning of the ceremony is the groom puts the veil 
over the eyes of his beautiful bride. You know what he's giving her? A Munkacher passport. A Munkacher passport. You know what the Holy Bride is doing? She walks around the groom seven times. You don't see anything. It's a Munkacher passport. The Munkacher passport.
J.M. in the A.M. Good morning and welcome to 91.1 FM, 90.1 FM in the Catskills, Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial and around the world in the web, J.M. in the A.M. dot O.R.G. Um, that was a uh, selection from the Shira Choir entitled Atata. Before that, Vocalish with Tfila La'ani, that's Dudi Kalish. Uh, who was uh, lead vocalist on that one? Munkacher Passport. That is a uh, an amazing classic story from the great Rib Shlomo Kalbach uh, here at JM in the AM off of his Shlomo's Greatest Stories Part Number Two. Shalshelis had 
Esau-Enai and Regesh with Modani opening things up. A Sphira format Wednesday on this Pesach Sheni. I was thinking maybe we should relax the uh, Sphira guidelines of JM and the AM since it's Pesach Sheni, but I don't know. We're so close to the end of the format, which basically ends after tomorrow's show, so... I figure we'll just keep things the way they are. Happy Pesach Sheni, everybody. If you're not familiar with that, consult with your local rabbi or be listening an hour from now when Rabbi Goldwasser explains a whole bunch about Pesach Sheni coming up. Today is day number 29 in the counting of the Omer. Today is day number 29, four weeks and one day. If you forgot to count last night, make sure to do so sometime today. 53 degrees, 78% humidity, winds in northeast. 10 miles per hour. Cloudy today, cloudy tomorrow, high today, 64. Tomorrow, we'll make it up to 73 degrees. Yerushalayim is at 75. We're at 53, waking up on a Wednesday morning. It's not bad out there. It's not as as cold as you might think when it's 53, but it's a little chilly, a little uh, windy, let's put it that way. So uh, that's what's uh, awaiting you as you wake up and get set to head outdoors on this uh, Wednesday morning. Today, we're going to meet... Albert Allaham. Albert Allaham is the owner of Reserve Cut, this very, very exclusive and um, unbelievable restaurant in Lower Manhattan. But much more importantly, Albert Allaham has one of the most incredible stories out there of growing up in Damascus and making it to New York. We'll do the whole thing coming up at 8 o'clock this morning when he visits us here live at JM in the AM. And tomorrow, another very special day, the president of Yeshiva University, Richard Joel. Uh, normally, we do a state of the university uh, conversation during the summer. We're doing it now, right around graduation time. Richard Joel, the president of Yeshiva University, visits us tomorrow here at JM in the AM. We always are excited to welcome him to our studios. JM in the AM Wednesday, again, day 29 in the counting of the Omer. Don't forget our social media Jewish Radio World with Nachum Siegel on Facebook. Jewish Radio World with Nachum Siegel. Don't forget Twitter at Nachum Siegel Net at Nachum Siegel N-E-T. Keep that in mind. So yesterday, I'm on my way home. Must have been like, uh, I don't know, 6 o'clock-ish or so. And I find out the most uh, amazing news that I want to share with this audience Many of you out there are familiar with the Landsman and Naaman families. And last night I was told that Alex Landsman and Leora Naaman are a recently engaged couple. In fact, when I was told about the engagement, I think they were a very, 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 very recently engaged couple. <laughs> like, like minutes after their engagement. So I take this opportunity... To wish a mazel tov to somebody I know for his entire life. Alex Landsman and uh, Leora Naiman are um, are engaged. We say mazel tov from all of us here at JM in the AM. And, of course, to the uh, Naiman family uh, out in Queens and uh, the Landsman family in uh, Teaneck, New Jersey. And that means when you see a Naomi Landsman, a Rabbi Mark Landsman, especially those of you who are at YCQ today, uh, if you see any of the uh, prior generation uh, Landsman's, uh, make sure to say Mazal Tov from all of us here at JM in the AM. So amazing news. And um, as I said yesterday, or as I hashtagged yesterday on social media, I am feeling old. 
But I'm feeling great for the Landsman and Naaman family. So Mazal Tov from all of us here at JM in the AM to Alex and Leora. We wish them the very best and look forward to the uh, big celebration um, uh, coming up. JM in the AM at 23 minutes before 7 o'clock on this Pesach Shaney morning. Uh, we will check out uh, the Laniato Hospital event that's happening uh, next week. We'll do that during the 7 o'clock hour. And as I said, Albert Alaham is going to be joining us. Uh, later on this morning, it's all happening if you keep it right here at 91.1 FM, 90.1 FM in the Catskills, Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial, and around the world on the web, jmtheam.org. <laughs>
J.M. in the A.M. with a uh, selection off of the Amen Amen CD, done a cappella style. A.K.A. Pella with Ye Bun and before that, Hine Mato. We heard Nachum Stark with Tfilati off of the CD entitled A Sphera Kumzit. Sphera Format Wednesday here at J.M. in the A.M. And a happy Pesach Shani to everybody. It's day 29 in the counting of the Omer, four weeks and one day. If you forgot to count last night. Make sure to do so sometime today. Cloudy skies today and tomorrow. High today, 64. Tomorrow, 73 degrees. Right now, we're at 75 in Yerushalayim and 53 here in Jersey City. As we say good morning at JM in the AM. Don't forget the 9 at 9 acapella style. Final acapella one for this season is going to be uh, presented again, replayed at 9 o'clock this morning right after JM in the AM. Be interesting to see what's number one. And what some of the selections are that people are voting for in the a cappella format of 9 at 9. Uh, Albert Allaham is going to be joining us coming up here at JM in the AM. He's the owner of Reserve Cut in New York City. And he has an incredible story of his uh, journey from Damascus to New York, which took place a few years back. Albert Allaham in the 8 o'clock hour this morning here at JM and the AM. And the president of Yeshiva University, Richard Joel, tomorrow in the 8 o'clock hour, will do a little State of the University uh, conversation and to speak with the president of YU, which is always a big treat for us right here at JM and the AM. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope. Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial, around the world on the web, jmtheam.org. News from Israel is coming up next. Don't forget we have amazing programming on our stream all day long at jmtheam.org. Don't forget upcoming in the next, uh, in the next few, um, well, let's see, actually it's two weeks from today, in the next two weeks. Get ready. Prepare yourself. Yom Yerushalayim special is going to be coming your way on the 28th of May and the 28th of ER. We'll have that for you right here on a Wednesday, two weeks from this morning at JM 
in the AM. Galay Tzal, Israel Army Radio, 2 p.m. newscast for a Wednesday is next. גורמים פוליטיים מעריכים שהשר סילבן שלום יודיע בקרוב כי החליט להתמודד לנסיות. כך נודע לכתובתנו המדינית, תיליל שחר. רעייתו של שלום ג'ודי פרסמה בפייסבוק ששלום קיבל החלטה, אספנו כוחות, הרגענו מעט את הפצע שנפער בנשמה, ועכשיו ההחלטה, היא אינה מציינת מה ההחלטה, אך גורם בסביבתו של שלום אומר שלשלום אין סיבה שלא להתמודד. עוד ציינו גורמים פוליטיים שיש מגעים בין שלום לנתניהו, במטרה שזה יתמוך בו לאחר שרעיון מלשכת שלום נמסר בתגובה שהשר שלום טרם החליט האם להתמודד וכל שאר השמועות אינן נכונות. פינוי מאחז מעלה רחבעם בעיצומו, דחפור החל בדקות האחרונות להרוס מבנים על קרקע פלסטינית. זאת לאחר שיושבי המבנים פונו מהם, ועובדי משרד הביטחון ארזו את תכולת הבתים. כתבנו עידו בן בג'י מוסר שתושבי המאחז ניסו למנוע את ההרס, וטענו שרכשו את הקרקעות מידי פלסטינים באופן חוקי. עם זאת ההריסה, כאמור, החלה בדקות אלה, והכוחות לא קיבלו הנחיה סותרת. רשות ההגבלים העסקיים פשטה על רשת מגה, כתבתנו יונה לייבזון. חוקרי הרשות פשטו על משרדי אחת מרשתות השיווק הגדולות בארץ והם מחרימים מסמכים וציוד. טרם הובהר מה נושא הבדיקה. מגה נמסר כי החברה משתפת פעולה עם רשות ההגבלים בכל נושא ועניין. קרע בברית האחים בין יש עתיד לבית היהודי. השר יעקב פרי תוקף את כוונת הבית היהודי לטרפד חוקים של מפלגתו בתגובה לערר שהגיש על חוק איסור החנינה למחבלים רוצחים. פעולת הנקם שנקטה מפלגת הבית היהודי, לא רק שהיא לא לטעמי, מילה אחת זאת הגזמה, זאת הליכה לקיצון, זה ניסיון לרצות את חלק גדול ממצביעיהם. לא מדובר במחלוקת ערכית, אלא באקט ציני שפוגע בסופו של דבר בציבור הישראלי. ומהבית היהודי נמסר לכתבנו יותם ברגר, אין כל הצדקה מוסרית לעצירת החוק לשחרור מחבלים, כל פרשנות פוליטית מחווירה לעומת סיכון ממשי בחיי אדם בעיכוב החוק על ידי יש עתיד. יום אחרי מתן גזר הדין בפרשת הולי לנד, בתו של עד המדינה בתיק שמואל דכנר, אדית, מדברת. יעל דן שוחחה איתה. ממש כואב לי על כל אחד מהם שייכנס לבית הסוהר. אבל אני שמחה שבית המשפט קיבל את הגרסה של אבא. לצערי אבא שלי שילם על כך בחייו. נכון שביום הכרעת הדין הייתי יותר שמחה. זה היה יום שמבחינתי היה איזושהי תעודה טובה לזה ש... בעצם בית המשפט קיבל את הגרסה של אבא במידה רבה. זה לא הייתה סגירת מעגל מבחינתי, משום שאבא בקבר. שלושה בני אדם נפצעו בינוני בכניסה לראש פינה בעקבות פיצוץ צמיג הרכב שבו נסעו. השלושה פונו על ידי צוות מד"א לבית החולים. ידיעה שמסר כתבנו בצפון גיא ורון. בן גניש בן 23 מהרצליה, הוא החשוד המרכזי ברצח יפתח גריידי ברעננה, כך הותר בצהריים לפרסום. אביו של גניש אמר לתחקירן התוכנית עושים צהריים אביב ארנון, נוכיח את חפותו של בן בבית המשפט. הוא חף לפשע בטוח. יש בית משפט וזה יוכח לצעזות. במאה אחוז הוא חף לפשע. התחזית היום ומחר התחממות. אלה החדשות שעורכת חן פישר. Spread my seeds upon the earth 
and firm my roots within the soil of the land my father gave to me and his father gave to him made by the father of us But the woodsman With an axe poised in his hand Said it's my sacred duty To clear away this land And on this place that I call home I will plant a field of stone I am but a little tree That only seeks to live in peace Spread my seeds upon the earth And firm my roots within the soil Of the land my father gave to me And his father gave to me Made by the father of us Sly fox, aloof, cool, and remote, said, I cannot be distracted by the blood stains on my coat. I can feel the woodsman's pain. Perhaps the tree should not remain. I am but a little tree that only seeks to live in peace, to spread my seed. And from my roots within the soil of the land my father gave to me. And the eagle, high above, so far away, said it's in my best interest to see the small tree stay. No, it need not thrive like I, but why not let it stay alive? Within the soil of the land, my father. 
Oh, 
J.M. in the A.M. Miami with that incredible medley off of the CD entitled Around the Campfire. Before that, Journeys with Little Tree. 18 minutes after 7 o'clock, J.M. in the A.M. Wednesday on this Pesach Shaney, day 29 in the counting of the Omer. Good morning, all. Albert Alaham is going to be our guest coming up in the 8 o'clock hour. You'll hear an amazing story that took him from Damascus to New York City, and now he's the owner of one of the most exclusive restaurants in New York. We'll explain all that coming up. Hey, I want to wish a mazel tov to Shopsy and Julie Schreier. They were guests of honor at the 54th anniversary banquet of the Young Israel of Woodmere this past Sunday night. Uh, to them and the Stavskys and the Wolfs and the uh, Kasdins, a very special mazel tov. Shopsy and Julie Schreier, guests of honor this past Sunday night at the um, Young Israel of Woodmere dinner. We say Mazal Tov from all of us here at JM in the AM. The Schreiers, um, the extended Schreier family, have been amazing listeners of this show for a long, long time. A special shout-out going out to our friends at AHC Appliances out in the five towns. They're at 530 Central Avenue, and tonight, or I should say this afternoon into tonight, they're doing their customer appreciation night with Citibank with a whole bunch of free prizes and a chance to win a free Weber gas grill and all that. Uh, I am mentioning it because our very own Naomi Nachman, who you could hear on Table for Two on Friday mornings in our stream, is actually going to be grilling out there <laughs> starting at 4 o'clock uh, what promises to be some yummy kosher food. So celebrity chef Naomi Nachman is going to be out there, customer appreciation night with a whole bunch of free stuff at 530 Central Avenue in Cedarhurst. Uh, so we say uh, good luck, Naomi, uh, from all of us here at JM in the AM. I'm sure she'll be meeting a lot of listeners out there later today, 20 minutes after 7 o'clock. Good morning. It's JM in the AM. By the way, speaking of uh, cooking and all that, I want to remind everybody that when you uh, pick up your Joy of Kosher magazine, the Shavuos edition, if you look at page 24, there's a whole discussion there with Miriam L. Wallach. That's right, our very own Miriam L. Wallach. Check that out. Page 24, I believe, in the Joy of Kosher magazine, which I still haven't seen. It usually arrives here, like right when it comes out. I guess it'll be here at some point tomorrow. want to remind everybody that um, there is a project, and Dr. Lupin was nice enough to share this information with me last week. There is a project out there. Um, which uh, really uh, did an amazing job this winter. It's called Coats for Cold Kids. It's a project of the uh, Liba Gavriela Fund for the Needy, which was started in memory of Lois Lupin Saltzman, who uh, died from leukemia nine years ago. And uh, they are holding a learnathon, Shavuos Night, Le'iloi Nishmasa. And um, the basic uh, the premise here, or the goal is that uh, for next winter, as the weather will turn colder as time goes by, uh, they want to raise enough money to purchase 500 coats to distribute all over Israel. That is their goal. Uh, last, excuse me, last winter, they raised enough to purchase 500 coats that were distributed all over Israel, and now the goal is to uh, top that and to um, raise as much as possible during this Shavuos Learnathon. So the um, uh, the Learnathon has a uh, has a, a, an amazing array of uh, possibilities of how you can raise money and um, and participate this Shavuos. 
Uh, most of the schools have most of the schools in Israel have formed teams of students. There's a friendly competition going on, but individuals as well, not just teams and schools, could sign up to learn. Get social media sponsors, very similar to Walkathon and Bikeathon project, and anybody who raises five hundred dollars or more for this uh, Learnathon for Shvuis is going to get a ten percent off gift certificate to purchase farm from a Jewish bookstore to further stimulate Torah study. So that is the uh, goal. That's what's happening. And uh, all I have to do is uh, get for everybody the uh, website, and uh, which I will do in just a moment uh, once I uh, take a break on the air. And then I will let you know how you could participate in the Shavuos Learnathon. I thought I had that address in front of me, but I do not. I will get that for you and tell you how you could sign up to uh, be part of the Learnathon and get sponsors uh, for this upcoming Shavuos. J.M. in the A.M. with 53 degrees, cloudy skies, and a high temperature of 64. Plenty more coming up. We will explore this Laniato Hospital event. Their annual event is coming up next week. We will do that for you coming up uh, at about 7.35 this morning. It's a Pesach Shaney morning at J.M. in the A.M.
JM in the AM. Achenu from the CD entitled Achenu here at JM in the AM. Wednesday morning on this Pesach Sheni. Well, the, the best web address uh, for those who want to participate in the Shavuos Learnathon, which we are encouraging. The Shavuos Learnathon 5774 supports coats for cold kids. It's open to yeshivas, seminaries, Jewish high schools, synagogues, Jewish organizations. They have an amazing section of learning materials on the website. They have a $100,000 goal, which you can help them achieve, and it's all sponsored by the Liba Gavriella Fund for the Needy in partnership with Yeshiva University and Yad Eliezer. Details about the Shavuos Learnathon we're encouraging everybody to participate in. Uh, go to wizathon slash coats for cold kids. It's uh, the number four in coats for cold kids wizathon.com slash coats for cold kids they have all the details there and you could uh, set up a page get sponsored and participate and we encourage everybody to do so pesach shaney morning at jm in the am lenny solomon is spending his pesach shaney in boise idaho state number state number 49 on his quest to do all 50 states with a great schlock rock performance. He was in Bozeman, Montana last night. I spoke to him yesterday on his way to Bozeman. He was in Laramie, Wyoming the night before, Fargo, North Dakota last week. And it'll all wrap up with state number 50 in Albuquerque, New Mexico on Lagba Omer. We're going to try to speak to Lenny Friday morning at some point, the king of schlock, and wish him a mazel tov on, uh, on what will be the upcoming amazing 50th state this coming Sunday Lagba Omer. Jam in the AM, Rabbi David Goldwasser's words. Here is Rabbi David Goldwasser with Morning Chizuk. When Bnei Yisrael were in the Midbar, in the desert, the following year after Yitzhiyas Mitzrayim, they were once again commanded to bring the Korban Pesach on the 14th of Nisan. However, the Pasuk tells us in Baloischa, Vayhi Anoshim Asher Hoyu Tameim Lenefesh Adam, Vlo Yochlu Pesach Vayoimahu. There were people that were ritually unclean. They could not make the Korban Pesach on that day. And what they did was they approached Moshe and they approached Aaron on that day. And these people said to them, We have been contaminated. We are ritually unclean. Why is it that we have been held back, that we cannot bring the carbon to Hashem in the proper time? Besoich b'nei Yisrael, among b'nei Yisrael. In response, the Torah relates the laws concerning Pesach Sheni. On the 14th day of Eir, it provided an opportunity for all of those who had missed bringing the carbon Pesach in the proper time because of their circumstances. Reb Shlom of Radamsk notes that there are no other mitzvahs in the Torah where one is given an alternate time to fulfill a timely mitzvah that is missed. Why, asked the Radomsker, does the Torah only offer a later date to bring the Korban Pesach? He explains that Bnei Yisrael had a burning desire to fulfill this mitzvah. Their cries were so intense and heartfelt as they lamented their inability to bring the Korban Pesach. Because of this, when Hashem saw their sincere yearning and burning desire to do a mitzvah, He gave them the privilege of this mitzvah. The Rebbe of Shmelke of Nicholsburg once commented on the Posuk and Shira Shirim, Mashkiach minachaloinois, meitzitz minacharakim. He was observing through the windows, peering through the lattice work. He compared it 
to a poorly dressed person who wanted to present the petition to the governor. However, the guard at the door wouldn't admit him. The poor man then walked to the window of the room where the governor was sitting. He started to beg him through the window that he should be seen. The same is with us, says Reb Shmelke. Our Tuma sometimes prevents our bakoshos and requests from being heard in Shemayim. But if we open our heart before we daven, Hashem will let them in through the window. This has been Rabbi David Goldwasser, bringing you morning chizik. Have a nice day. J.M. in the A.M. on this Wednesday, Pesach Sheni, Rabbi Yitzchak Waldman is with us live via telephone. Rabbi Waldman is the Executive Vice President, the annual Laniato Hospital Dinner uh, for the American Friends of Laniato Hospital is coming up this Tuesday uh, to benefit the new catheterization laboratory in the cardiology department at Laniato Hospital, which is in Natanya, Israel. The event happens at Studio 450 on West 31st Street in New York. Reception at 6, dinner at 7 this coming Tuesday night. And again, the uh, Executive Vice President of American Friends of Laniato Hospital is Rabbi Yitzchak Waldman. Rabbi Waldman, welcome back to JM in the AM. Oh, sorry about that. Where am I here? There I go. Rabbi Waldman, welcome back to JM in the AM. Good morning, Rabbi Nachum, and good morning to your listeners. Nice to speak with you again. How are Thank things you. going at Laniato? A lot of people don't even realize that there's a hospital in Netanya, Israel. That is correct. That is a problem that it's one of its best secrets, and that's why one of the reasons is to come on the Nachum Siegel Show <laughs> and open those, open up that secret. Laniato was founded in what year? Laniato opened its door in June of 76. Wow. That's the first, uh, the OBGYN department was opened then, but really it goes back to 1956 when the Sands closed in Begarebbe the first time went up to Israel and saw in the Sharon area, which is Natanya, the greater Natanya area, there was no hospital there in the area, and he started purchasing that property, which is not far from the water there, the Mediterranean, and uh, slowly it took him 20 years to build, build, brick by brick, because he always used to say, once I open the hospital, I can never close it. And this was all because of a commitment he made to help save lives, correct? During the Holocaust, correct. He was on a march from Warsaw to Dachau. It was Tisha B'Av time. It was very, very hot. He got a shot in the arm, and as he was marching, he was afraid naturally to turn anyway to ask for help. He ripped off a twig from the tree, tied it around his arm, and made a vow then to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that if he saves his life, he will build a hospital where no Jew will have to fear to ask for medical attention. Unbelievable. So now it's almost 40 years old, Laniato, at this point. Yeah, 40 years old. I remember we were talking about it as if it was a rookie medical facility, and now it's almost 40 and years old. And now it's almost 500-bed community hospital, the only hospital there. You know, As uh, many people would say over the years that as Natanya is going to grow, there are going to be so many medical facilities. Yet Laniato is continuously growing and uh, getting nicer and nicer, and we're standing at almost 500 beds right now. Unbelievable. Rabbi Yitzchak Waldman with us live via telephone. Aside from the maternity unit, what else is it known for when it comes to the area of medicine in Israel? Well, actually, our our cardiology department is a very, very, very highly respected department under the leadership of Dr. Ron Lior and the catheterization lab, which we are now going to Bezrat Hashem, build a new one, is known in the area as one of the best cardiology departments. Oh, very nice. Which, you know, we're proud of because, as we know, lave, lave means a lot to Claudia Stroll. In fact, it's the connection of the Torah from the end of the Torah to the beginning of the Torah. The Torah ends with the last letter of a Lamed and starts with a base, which is lave. You have your whole speech for Tuesday night already. 
this is not. This is just for your radio listeners special. American Friends Vladiato Hospital's annual dinner benefits the brand new catheterization lab in their cardiology department at Laniato Hospital in Natanya, Israel. The dinner is this Tuesday night at Studio 450 on West 31st Street in New York City. I know you're guaranteeing a fun time for everybody, right? Fun and a very special time. That's correct. You have a lot of distinguished honorees. Why not tell us who you're honoring this coming Tuesday? Well, the truth is it's, a, it's an interesting thing. We're dedicating the Tony and Marcus Solomon Specialty Clinics, which was dedicated by their son, Mr. Izu Solomon, who left over his, his uh, childless, didn't have a family, but yet, you know, a few years ago already he told me that he would like to do something in memory of his parents. So Izu Solomon is gone, but he left a, uh, a will, so to he speak. He left a will to build for his parents. Nothing about himself. He wanted it in memory of his parents. And those clinics will be in memory of his parents? Those clinics have opened now, and they're going to be in memory of his parents. You're looking at a building with about 30 different little clinics, starting from eye going down, or everything in the body. Outpatient clinics, all going to be the Tony and Marco Solomon Specialty Clinic. And in addition to that, as you said, everything else is going to be dedicated this year for the cardiology Cardiology department, department, the brand-new catheterization lab. A dinner chairman is Neil Goldstein. The tribute chairperson is Phyllis Ziskin. Names that are quite familiar to our audience. The journal chair people are Michael Weisbrod and Avi and Mindy Nissanoff. And special guest, Bill Tingling, president and publisher of SNN Incorporated. How How did he get associated with the hospital? Bill Tingling has been uh, working very hard with the community regarding uh, the memory of the Shoah. Right. In fact, uh, Tuesday today, I think, no, this Tuesday, he made a special event in uh, in front of the state Supreme Court in New York City. Uh, in fact, he had one of our very own uh, Marty, Judge Marty Shulman, yeah. the guest speaker there. He's amazing. So Bill Tingling has been a friend to the Jewish community. He's done a lot of things with Tal Brody for Rabbi Grossman from right. Mendelamek. Right. And uh, he heard about this hospital. This hospital was built on the on the uh, Shoah. You know, it was built with the Rebbe Zichron of Rocha and many of his followers who came with him. And he got he got involved. He said, this is a place where I want to be involved, too. Well, he'll be there this coming Tuesday night as well. Information, what's the best way for people to get information about the dinner? Information either via telephone, which is 212-944-2690, or email laniato at verizon.net. Once again, laniato spelled L-A-N-I-A-D-O at verizon.net. And there are people uh, out there who'd like to visit the hospital in Natanya. You are offering, uh, you're offering them the uh, free tour, correct? Please, please call us and we will give you the tour. You will be surprised at what a hospital. Yeah, the reputation is pretty amazing. All right, American Friends of Laniato Hospital, Tuesday night, everybody, in New York City at Studio 450, overlooking the Hudson River on East 31st Street. Information at 212-944-2690, 212-944-2690. I know that Laniato Hospital has a lot of support among uh, the uh, JM and the AM audience. Uh, Rabbi Waldman, Yeshikach, I hope Tuesday's a uh, wonderful success for Laniato. Thank you very much, Nachum. Thank you for everything you do for Lanyara and for all the other Mosdot in Eretz Israel. A pleasure. Eight, I appreciate that very much. 18 minutes before 8 o'clock, it's JM in the AM.
J.M. in the A.M. with uh, A.K.A. Pella. That's called Umacha. J.M. in the A.M. coming up at the top of the hour, uh, Albert uh, Alaham, who is the uh, owner of Reserve Cut in Manhattan and uh, spent his uh, spent his youth a little differently than uh, than we as youngsters did and those who are youngsters today do in this area. We will speak with him coming up here at J.M. in the A.M. and you'll hear the fascinating story. Assemblyman Dove Heikind and Nachas Health will be hosting a Day of Remembrance for Holocaust survivors and their descendants tomorrow at the Young Israel Bethel in Borough Park, 4802 15th Avenue in Brooklyn. The featured guest speaker is former Israeli Chief Rabbi Yisrael Meir Lau, a Holocaust survivor. Tribute will be paid to uh, Chino Sigahara and Jan Zwartik, diplomats who saved thousands of Jews during the war, as well as Oscar Schindler as well. Mordechai Ben David will be present uh, at the um, event uh, to perform, Assemblyman Dove Hiken and Nachas Health host a Day of Remembrance for Holocaust Survivors and their descendants is coming Thursday, tomorrow at 11 a.m. at the Young Israel Bethel in Borough Park, 4802 15th Avenue in Brooklyn, New York. Information contact Young Israel Bethel uh, in regard to the event. JM and the AM last night, the 9 at 9 was on, and um, Yassi's Y is going to be replaying that for us at 9 o'clock this morning. It was the final a cappella version of the 9 at 9 for um, for this season. And the question is, of course, what will be number one? What will end up in the top 9 at 9? You'll be able to hear it between 9 and 10 this morning. This might be... A preview for you at JM in the AM. Oh, 
J.M. in the A.M. with Cole Ish from the CD entitled Before Eve, closing out the 7 o'clock hour for us on a Wednesday morning. It's Pesach Shani. Happy Pesach Shani, all. Uh, day 29 in the counting of the Omer, four weeks and one day. I want to say good morning to those who are heading to the uh, Ohel Institute for Training Conference, which is happening today at the Baruch College Conference Center. begins about an hour from now on the topic of autism. Those who are taking advantage of the Mellon Phyllis Actor Ohel Institute for Training, kudos to you. I'm sure it'll be a very productive day for all who are there at the gathering in New York City. Want to wish a mazel tov to Alex Landsman and Leora Naiman. They got engaged yesterday. A special mazel tov to the Naiman family out in Queens, to uh, Naomi and Rabbi Mark Landsman in Teaneck, New Jersey, and of course their entire family and extended family. I know the uh, Hassan from the day he was born, so as I said yesterday on Facebook, I am feeling old. Alex Landsman, Leora Naiman, Mazal Tov to you from all of us here at JM in the AM. Well, for a couple of weeks I've been telling you that we are looking forward to the visit of Albert Alaham to our studio. He is the um, the chief proprietor at Reserve Cut in Lower Manhattan, a place that I'm sure many of our distinguished listeners have gone to for a lunch or dinner. He has an amazing story about his early life in Damascus and making it to New York City. Really an incredible story. The only uh, hitch to this entire plan is that uh, he is delayed this morning. He's a bit behind schedule. I hope we'll get to meet him this morning before 9 o'clock. If not, then obviously we'll reschedule. But I hope we'll get to meet him before 9 o'clock this morning here at JM in the AM. It is one of the most remarkable stories you'll ever hear, certainly for the 21st century. Uh, tomorrow morning here at JM in the AM, it is the president of Yeshiva University, Richard Joel, who's going to be joining us in the 8 o'clock hour. We'll do a little bit of the uh, state of the university discussion as they get set for graduation, 5774. 
We always love having the president of Yeshiva University in studio. He'll join us tomorrow in the 8 o'clock hour right here at JM in the AM. Before the higher selection, you heard Mim Komcha from 613. And Srilly Weinberger in a song that, again, I am conjecturing might end up in the top nine at nine, which you'll hear in, in replay form this morning at 9 a.m. on our stream. Uh, it's a, a Srilly Weinberger production entitled Mina Meitzar featuring Menachem Moskowitz, and that was the song you heard to open up that set right here at JM in the AM. It's America's one and only Jewish moments in the morning radio program heard on listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial, and around the world on the web, JM in the AM dot ORG. Na 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 na
JM and the AM. Bini is a selection from 613, a CD entitled Yesh Chadash here at JM and the AM. The Chevra before that from the Eli Gerstner Chevra a cappella CD in uh, the middle of our Sphira format with Nachamu Nachamu Ami. You heard the Krakow Nigun done by Kolachai going back to their album entitled Bikarov. It is a Sphira format Wednesday on this Pesach Sheni, day 29 in the counting of the Omer. If you forgot to count last night, make sure to do so sometime today. My thanks are by Waldman, who was with us earlier. Laniato Hospital has their big event coming up on Tuesday at Studio 450 on East 31st Street in Manhattan. Information, you can go to laniatousa.org. Laniato USA, uh, actually laniatohospital.org might even be better. Or call 212-944-2690 for information. Want to remind everybody that AHC Appliances, and by the way, Yussi's Weig will have a bunch of details and a whole um, set of announcements regarding this event later during our Wednesday Live Lunch. Again, tune into Yussi's Weig and the Wednesday Z-Report Live Lunch between 11 and 1 o'clock today on our stream at jmandam.org. And you'll get all the latest regarding what's happening today at AHC Appliances. I'll tell you that the Customer Appreciation Night with Citibank is a very, very popular night at AHC Appliances on Central Avenue in Cedarhurst. And they're doing it today from 4 p.m. until 7 p.m. with free giveaways, a chance to win a free Weber gas grill. And, of course, the highlight for us is that our very own Naomi Nachman, the great celebrity Aussie chef, is going to be grilling up some yummy kosher food as she calls it. It's all happening between 4 and 7 p.m. at 530 Central Avenue in Cedarhurst today. Go check it out. They're at 516-569-1700. And again, the address, 530 Central Avenue in Cedarhurst. All the free stuff begins at 4 o'clock, and Naomi will be there cooking up some delicacies. The weather looks like it'll hold up, and you'll be able to go enjoy the day out and uh, stop by at 530 Central Avenue in Cedarhurst, New York, out there in the five towns. want to remind everybody that if you go to the uh, website wizathon.com slash coats for cold kids, and the number four is in the middle of that, coats for cold kids. It's wizathon.com slash coats for cold kids. The information about the Shavuos Learnathon that's open to uh, yeshivas and seminaries and Jewish high schools and shuls and Jewish organizations. It's all there. They have a tremendous amount of learning materials out there on the site, information about the Liba Gavriela Fund for the Needy, uh, which is sponsoring the event in partnership with Yeshiva University and Yad Eliezer. I want to thank Dr. Lupin, who uh, gave me all the information last week and uh, told me, and I just confirmed it by checking on the website, they have a $100,000 goal. I mentioned how they reached their goal of 5000 last winter. Now they are trying over the next few months to raise $100,000 and have this uh, fundraiser, this uh, Shavuos Learnathon, uh, be the bulk of that amount. They're looking for a $100,000 goal so they can continue to distribute coats for cold kids in Israel during the winter months. And everybody's encouraged to uh, take part. Uh, you'll see how you could set up your own page to start fundraising. If you want to sponsor the event or sponsor a participant, you could do all of that. Go to wizathon.com slash coats for kids. That's wizathon dot com slash coats for cold kids. That's coats for the number four cold kids. And wishing everybody a great Shavuos. Hope you have an amazing opportunity to use your Torah study to raise some great money for a great cause. JM in the AM Wednesday with 53 degrees, cloudy skies and a high of 64. Tomorrow, the president of Yeshiva University is going to be in studio here at JM in the AM. Richard Joel, the president of Yeshiva University, joins us tomorrow in studio 
here at JM in the AM. We are looking forward to that. We always enjoy our conversations. He'll be here tomorrow in the 8 o'clock hour as we get closer and closer to graduation up in uh, Yeshiva University. And um, we've been telling you for the last few days that um, Albert Alaham of Reserve Cut in New York City, an exclusive kosher restaurant in New York, has an amazing story about his journey from Damascus to New York. Uh, unfortunately, he's way behind schedule this morning. Uh, situations beyond his control. Don't know if he'll make it here for our conversation in the 8 o'clock hour. Hopefully he will. If not, then obviously we'll reschedule. But again, as I said on Facebook, I think it's a worthwhile story for our listeners to hear and appreciate what we have and what so many people go through. He is now a proprietor of an amazing restaurant in New York, but it's been quite a journey. It's JM in the AM with Ari Goldwag.
JM and the AM with a uh, selection entitled Neila from 613 before that Ari Goldwag with the Naya Nigun here at JM in the AM. All right, I am told that uh, Albert Alaham is going to be joining us in the next couple of minutes, a little bit behind schedule, but we will be able to speak with him and hear what I have been telling everybody. Uh, I'm sure many of you have uh, seen it on uh, Facebook and Twitter, a phenomenal and interesting and incredible story from Damascus to New York City. We'll be doing that coming up right here at JM in the AM. Sphere format and our friends from AKA Pella from their top 20 hits double CD. Pesach Shaney morning on this day 29 in the counting of the Omer. And uh, a gentleman that I have been telling you about or at least hinting to you about over the last couple of weeks is now in our studio. 
a drop behind schedule, but nonetheless, we welcome him here. He is the uh, chief proprietor at the Reserve Cut Restaurant in Lower Manhattan, a restaurant that I would bet you've heard of, even if you haven't been there, because it has made quite a splash in the world of the uh, kosher culinary uh, experience. Uh, but I believe that as unbelievable as the restaurant is, and as fancy and incredible and unique and conceptually as it is, uh, what might be most intriguing about Mr. Albert uh, Allaham might be his journey from Damascus to New York City. And it is for that reason that we invited him here this morning on this Wednesday at JM in the AM. Albert Allaham, welcome to JM in the AM. Good morning. Thank you so much for having me. At first, I'm sorry for being late. And I want to thank God and my family and my friends and everyone that helped me out so far in my journey. That got you all the way to this point. The pinnacle yes. of great Jewish radio. Yes. Someone joked with me that if I want to tell somebody who was brought up in the Middle East to be here at 8 o'clock, I have to let them know it's a 5 a.m. appointment. That's what they said. <laughs> then there's a good chance they'll walk in on time. Would, would, would that be consistent with uh, the way things were in the area that you grew up in, the area of the world that you grew up in? or uh... Hopefully not. <laughs> That's what I would hope. Anyway, it's a pleasure to have you here, even if it's a drop late, and uh, welcome you to JM in the AM. So. Starting backwards for a moment, when you arrived in the United States, which would be what year? 1999. That is the tail end of the Jewish exodus from Syria to areas like the U.S.? That is it. Very few Jews remain in Syria after the time you leave. I would guess about 75 to 100 people. And that's in it? In late 1999, yes. And in the mid-90s, how many Jewish people are in Syria? We were about 6,000 Jews. We were allowed to leave in 1992. Between 1992 to 98, 85% left. And allowed, meaning that before that, there was no way the government would allow it. And that after that, it became very difficult. In other words, you knew, or your family knew, because people may not realize how young you are, you and your family knew that there was only a small window of opportunity to get out. Yes. And that's it, just a couple of years. A couple of years to get out, and everyone took took that opportunity and left right away. And uh, it, so if there were Jews still there today, and again, today we're talking about literally a handful, right? But if there were, if there was a Jewish community, you'd be here trying to get messages back to them that, that you must leave, that there's no future in Syria for the Jewish there community. If there was Jews today, I don't think they would be there. Right. No. There would be Since no way. Since 2009, 2010, right. when the war started. Right. Um, so, and by the way, this is, as I described it, the, the end of or the, the last part of this whole movement of Syrian Jews to other areas of the world, most notably the United States. But there were other periods of time when large groups of Jews did leave Syria, correct? 70s, 80s, right? There's Yes, 70s, 80s. A lot of uh, Jews left Syria to uh, United States and Israel. But in Damascus, everyone left in 1992, mostly 1992. So, and that's where you grew up, right? Yes, I grew up in Damascus, Syria. But and, but you were not gone until seven years later. And we'll discuss why in a moment. So Albert Alaham is here. He is the owner of Reserve Cut Restaurant in New York City has an incredible story about his journey from Damascus to New York. So now um, we understand the situation today in Syria is impossible. But what was it like, I don't know, before 92 or during those periods of time when, when it would have been impossible to leave? What was it like to live there? 
Was there oppression? Was there? Uh, did, did you? Did, was it? Was it difficult for a was, Jew to go through a day to day over there? It was difficult to to practice Judaism during that time. We weren't allowed to wear yarmulkes outside outside synagogues. There was no learning allowed when you go to a synagogue. Basically, you had to hide when you were learning. So you went to public school. We went to yeshivas, but we were only allowed to pray and learn, you know, regular history and. Uh, right. There was also a thing as Judaic studies, no. or, or at least legally. No. <laughs> if you were doing that, it was in some form of hiding it from the government. Uh, yes. And and was it ever different? Like were certain periods of time better than others, or it was always like that basically? I think after the war in the seventies, it got much better during late eighties to nineties. But when when it got better, I guess that was when the negotiations started happening with Israel and here to let the six thousand Jews out. Right, and that's when nineteen ninety two. That's when. We got the visas and everyone left. Right. So, and, and as a kid in Syria, what is the, you know, you're reading the papers, you're hearing the radio, you're watching TV. What, what is the, the, the attitude toward Israel has to be negative, right? I mean, there ha- the, the public perception of their neighbor Israel has to be negative, and you're right in the middle of it. You're, you're there with, uh, with obvious feelings toward Israel, correct? You know, when you hear the news and you read the papers, and you see the pictures and the every, where everything is happening, it's where we used to live. And, you know, I just imagined to myself sometime when if I was there, what would have happened now if all 6,000 Jews and my family and everyone was there, how would we get help? And, and the answer I, is? There may not be an answer. There might not be an answer. And what about this whole public perception in Syria? When you're in the midst of a community or a, or a country where you know that there's so much hatred toward Israel and therefore so much hatred toward Jews. It must be very difficult to, I don't know, to walk in the streets, to be part of society. Isn't it, isn't it hard to, do, to be that way? It's very hard. It was very hard because you, you were always pointed at as the Jew. Right. Here's the Jew. And you had a lucky break in that your family, I don't know if you call it lucky, you could describe it any way you want, but your family had a relationship with government officials, right? And this is this is to us a very a very strange thing because of your family's incredible heritage in the area of slaughtering animals and preparing meat. You actually had a special relationship with government officials. Would that be an accurate way of putting it? We were trying to protect ourselves and family as much as we can. Which you meant, know. how would you do that? Anyhow, any any way that I guess my parents and my father thought that would help us, you know, protect ourselves. To, you know, to stick around. And one of the ways of doing that is becoming butcher to the dictator <laughs> or, or butcher to the palace? Like, how, how does the kosher meat angle work its way into this whole picture? <laughs> Regarding uh, being a butcher, we were butchering, we were, the, I would say, the biggest butcher in Syria at the time. Only because you were so skilled and, meaning your family. My and, family and, and my parents, we go back four generations in butchering. And that's that's what we know how to do, and that's what we did well for business there. Right. So, but am I right? Wasn't there a relationship between your family and the and and the dignitaries of of the town or of the of the state? Yes. And then that helped out, right? That helped us out a lot. Right. 
And what is it about what you and your family did with meat that was so different than what the other guy next door did? Which, by the way, seems to have lasted into this country as well. It seems that you, know, you have a reputation, at least, at least that's what some of the chefs tell me, that you have a reputation, your family has a reputation of simply being able to repair meat differently than other people or than other butchers. What is it? What's the secret? We, we took the process of butchering and cutting meat from early stages where the, beef, you know, the cow and the beef grows the cattle to scoring it, soaking it, salting it, and butchering the, the cattle and even selling it at, retail, at a retail store. We know we know the process from day one, right. the from cattle from start to finish, from start to finish, and how how the meat is supposed to be prepped and how it's supposed to be cut, and how it's supposed to be stored, and aged. And nobody knows all of those things, the way your family does. I'm sure there's people out there that know. <laughs> right, but, <laughs> but your expertise or your family's expertise in every one of those areas, every one of make, those areas, makes it very from different. Day one. And that's how, how to feed, how to slaughter, how to skin, how to kosher, how to soak the cattle, right. everything. Right. Uh, for your family, I would guess that the 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 pressure of finally leaving Damascus, right, which which happened in the mid nineties, um, must have been somewhat of a traumatic experience, right? There, there from the way you're describing it, or, or at least the way I'm prodding you to describe it. Uh, you're, you're, you know, you've got connections there. Uh, sounds like there's a good business going on there, right, in Damascus at that time. Yes. And now it's time to move. So how do your parents make this transition to uh, the New York area? What do they do? Well, in, in 1999, like I said, there was around 75 people. My family is, uh, were five boys and one girl. And I don't think we could have stayed any longer. And we thank God that we didn't stay longer due to the fact of the situation that's happening now but we had to go and I moved here in 1999 then I stayed here about two or three years with my brother until 2002 that's when all my family moved out they were literally the last ones last ones and how did your parents spend those couple of years actually preparing Preparing to transition to to the US was that must have been very difficult Yes, my mom had to go back and forth just to prepare us. To, you know, we had to start from scratch, rent the house here, prepare, the, prepare us to go to school, to go to shivas, be close to our family, be close to our cousins that we haven't seen in ten years. Right. And you probably think that your adjustment uh, is still happening, while we look at you and say knows the language pretty well obviously has adjusted pretty well to what's happening in New York with the business you're running, right? So we look at you and say, wow, what a New York success story. You're probably thinking you still have a lot more adjusting to do, right? I'm still thinking on how to learn and how to know and how to figure out New York. <laughs> I find that hard to believe. Albert Alahabi, you're sitting, uh, you're sitting on Wall Street with one of the most exclusive businesses in the kosher community. I have a feeling you figured it out at this point. Albert Alahabi is here. He's the owner of Reserve Cut in New York City, which is officially at what number on Broad Street? 40 Broad. 40 Broad. But you have to do something unusual when it comes to restaurants. It's not like the majority of restaurants where it's on street level. You actually have to use an elevator to get there, right? Yes, it's on the second floor of the Satai uh, building. Right, a well-known building. Street. Unusual, wouldn't you say? When they built the restaurant, 
What did you say that that was a bit unusual? That it's not that street level, and that it, I mean, I would assume a minority of restaurants in New York require elevator use. Am I right? Yes. Very, very, very rare, right? <laughs> like some of your steaks, <laughs> very rare. Anyway, so. At some point, you and your family have to take this transition and this adjustment and literally open up a meat business in New York. This is way before the restaurant, right? Open up a meat business in New York. When does that happen? That happened in 1998. Already they opened at that point, before before your parents were already here? No, my parents, my brother was here. One of my brothers right. was here in 1998. And he, he opened it up. How, he was learning how to butcher. And where was that location? Where was Ninth, it? On Kings Highway in East End. Which is still there or not? Which, which is still there. But that's that that does not deal with uh, the retail industry or it does? That's that's retail. That is the retail industry. And so we have, I opened in 2008 the Prime Cut Butcher in Brooklyn. And that's the one on Avenue U? Yes. And what has the reception been so far to that uh, to that business? Because I didn't, th- I didn't think there's much difference when it comes to you know how one cuts meat or how meat tastes you know once it's prepared by different butchers. You know, I, I mean, I'm not, a, I'm not a connoisseur in this area, but I never thought there was much different. But in, in your case, it seems like people think so. The the reaction I was getting when I opened, how do you cut the meat so good? You know, how, how did you, how is it that the display that you made? Where did you learn how to do this? And everyone used, you know, come in and being amazed of how how everything was displayed and how we did it. So what's the secret? Or you don't want to reveal your secret on the air? <laughs> are there a lot of secrets, or it's just there's hard? a lot of secrets. There are a lot trying. of secrets to making a good piece of meat. Yes. To preparing that piece of meat, so when people take it home and do it properly, and you do offer them recipes, right? You do offer them methods. We do offer recipes, yes. And they when they put that in their oven and it comes out, it's going to be something extra special. We hope. Yeah, well, you hope. I think <laughs> I think you've proven that. And you've done a couple of unusual things in terms of the restaurant itself, because you have a uh, you literally have an eye. Uh, uh, how do I put this? A window open to the world, so everyone can see how your chefs operate. When you walk into your restaurant and you're sitting there in the, in the main room of the restaurant, everyone can actually see through the uh, transparent glass the kitchen operation. I must tell you. Most chefs and most uh, restaurateurs do not want people looking inside the kitchen at a restaurant. In your case, it's just the opposite. Why? I thought it would be interesting to see when you're sitting in an open kitchen view and looking at your steak being cooked and prepared, even looking at how it's being plated and seeing your steak coming out to your table would be a nice, a nice, you know, pre-meal. Nice appetizer. Well, like I said, most, most people might think <laughs> just the opposite. That once they see how, how everything's prepared, they wouldn't want to eat. In your case, you're saying when you see how it's prepared, you're certainly going to want to eat. 100%. Are your chefs, um, and I, and you've had one chef since it opened, right? I have one chef. Is your chef intimidated by that whole situation? It must be something he's not used to, I would guess, from other places where he's worked. He's not used to it, but he feels comfortable with it, and uh, they're used to it. And we do we do actually the same thing even when we're uh, even if we're not open kitchen. Meaning, you know, where everything. No, has- I understand. I understand that obviously, but still, I know when people are watching me do a show, it's still more intimidating. Even though I basically do the same thing I do when there's nobody around, you know what I'm saying? Still, it, it can be an intimidating experience. 
I think they got used to it after being, you know, a couple of months. So it's no big deal. It's no big deal. Why have so many people come in to try Reserve Cut? Lunch, dinner, uh, Mother's Day, I assume you were packed, right? Can I yeah. assume you were packed? A <laughs> night like tonight, you'll be packed till 11 o'clock at night, correct? Sure. There have been so many failures of fancy restaurants in Manhattan, at kosher restaurants, and so many failures of kosher restaurants downtown. Why is it? How many months are you open now? Opened October 2nd. So basically around Sukkot. Why is it that since Sukkot you have become such a sensation when so many kosher restaurants, especially the ones that try to be very high-end, uh, you know, watch, watch themselves completely deteriorate in the first few months? Since we opened, I realized we've been getting a lot of repeating customers. That's the key, huh? And that's what made me feel good. And that's what, you know, made me relax and feel comfortable about it. People have been, have not experienced, I guess, the, the cuts of meat in kosher, the, the prime meat that's supposed to be served. No matter what we think has been good till this point, you're simply saying there's stuff we just haven't tried yet. That's, that's, that's what I want to show and prove that there has, there is stuff that people need to try and there is kosher meat. And when you want to take someone out, you want to be proud to take him to a kosher restaurant and show him what we have. And so far, that formula has been very successful. Yes. 40 Broad Street, second floor, reserve cut. I have to spend the last few minutes, and I apologize, but we, we got off to a late start, but I, I got to spend the last few minutes just asking you about this adjustment to the U.S. You're, you're not even 30 years old, although I don't know if you wanted that to be known publicly, but you're a young guy. Who is and to be in this area of New York City with this type of restaurant with with a, an operation that must be in the millions of dollars, frankly, has got to be you know unprecedented for somebody your age. But all that having been said, what was the adjustment like for you to the United States Jewish community when you did not know English well? Uh, when you first got here and when you were as a teenager, sometimes on your own, because as you said, your parents very often were flying back and forth to Syria to close things up over there and, and make sure you had a secure situation over here. Uh, were, were your classmates friendly? Were people helpful in terms of the adjustment? Were neighbors and cousins and others who had been here before, you know, extremely helpful to you in this whole process? How would you describe that period of time in your life? Well, I came for a visit in uh, 1999, and I came with my mom, and I decided to stay on my own. When I saw that it was difficult, not com- that you couldn't communicate with your friends, with your cousin, and you couldn't even talk to them, or even just simple things like play basketball with them. I decided to go to Magan David Yeshiva High School. To start learning, I learned summer and winter, studied English and Hebrew, didn't speak a word of English, didn't speak a word of Hebrew. You literally did not speak a word of English in 1999? Not a word. Had studied both at the same time, went through four years of high school with learning and learning 18 hours a day and studying until I finished high school and... 2004, decided to start working with my father in the butcher shop on King's Highway and just wanted to learn the business. What made me feel good and inspiring me, see everyone, seeing all 
the Jews around me, which I I, ha- I didn't experience. A big community. A big community in, around me where you see everyone is proud to wear yarmulke, where you see everyone is proud to learn and practice Ju- uh, Judaism. That's that's what I guess inspired me to keep doing things. And then the love for butchering is is the second part. <laughs> so the Jewish community was great, and the meat business was, the meat business. was good to you as well. Uh, I think it's an unbelievable story. People can meet you every day in the restaurant. Can they find you there? Yes, I'm at the restaurant. You're always day. there. Always there. So lunch, dinner, if someone walks in today, they can meet one of the heroes of the Jewish world as far as I'm concerned. Yes. Pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and how do people get information? What's the best phone number, the best website? How do people get information about what you're doing at 40 Broad Street? Reservecut.com is our website. Best way to get information to is online or at 212-747-0300. That's the phone number of the restaurant. Simple as that. And you have an amazing wine selection as well, right? No kosher wines from Syria, right? You never, no. You never came across any kosher. No. But you have some clothes because you have some from the Golan Heights, right? <laughs> yes. So you have some that are – if someone does ask for a Syrian red wine, you could say this is just from a few miles a few, away, right? Yes. <laughs> Maybe even closer than that. Who knows? <laughs> Albert Allaham is the uh, owner of Reserve Cud, which has made quite a splash in the kosher world, to say the least. In New York City, what's even greater or more inspiring or more interesting when you meet him is his incredible story of being a part of what was essentially, and I learned this as I spoke to him in the restaurant, uh, what was essentially the last uh, movement of Syrian Jews to the United States. Today, the estimate would be, what, one Jew or one family? Who's left there in Syria today? Anybody? One or two people. And that's it. That's it. That's the extent of it. Uh, Albert, a pleasure having you here this morning. I hope we get to meet again. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Thank you so much. Albert Allaham, uh, check him out at 40 uh, Broad Street in New York City. And when you go over to him, discuss this incredible history. Uh, I think the it's a microcosm of what has uh, uh, become such an, an important and impactful community within our community. And that's the uh, a community that comes from the uh, Syrian Jewish community from Damascus and other areas of Syria. Wednesday mornings, we start to wrap things up on a Pesach Shani morning at JM in the AM. Reminder, the president of Yeshiva University, Richard Joel, tomorrow in the 8 o'clock hour with us right here at JM in the AM.
Our brothers and sisters in Israel, we are with you. It's your favorite America's one and only Jewish Moments in the Morning Radio program. Heard on listeners sponsored WFMU East Orange, WMFU Mount Hope, Rockland County at 91.9 on the FM dial and around the world on the web, jmtheam.org. And that wraps up an amazing Wednesday morning edition here at JM. In the AM, I want to thank all of our special guests. Or by Waldman from Laniato Hospital. I want to thank Albert Alaham, an amazing story from Damascus to New York City. Say hello to him uh, if you're in reserve cut. He's uh, <laughs> another one of those uh, one of those people who has uh, an incredible past, to say the least. Uh, tomorrow, the president of Yeshiva University stops by. Richard Joel is going to be joining us, and plenty more. We're still in a sphere of format. That lasts until Friday. Um, and Lenny Solomon is scheduled to join us on Friday because uh, he is going to play his 50th U.S. state this coming weekend on Lagba Omer. How do you like that? He'll have done all 50 states. Have a wonderful Wednesday. Till tomorrow, Nachum Siegel reminding you, remember the past, live the present, and trust the future.